take our Bibles this morning, please turn to Titus chapter 2 together. Titus chapter 2. And let's go ahead and stand, please. I'll read from Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1 and reading through verse 15. Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Let's pray. Our Father, we do praise you and thank you for this time we have together. Holy Spirit of God, we now ask that you would be the teacher of the Word of God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would stir us to action, that we would live our lives to the glory of Jesus Christ, and in honor of God our Father. Thank you for this day in which we remember and honor our fathers. But Lord, we especially today want to praise you for being the the best father and the best example of all. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your provision for us. And now we ask, Lord, that you would quiet our hearts and open our minds, and that we would hear what the Spirit has to say for us today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I read a couple of marriage quotes this morning. I didn't use these last hour because my wife was in here. This hour she's teaching in the children's church, so I'll, I'll go ahead and share these with you now. I read a quote that said, Married life is full of excitement and frustration. In the first year of marriage, the man speaks and the woman listens. In the second year, the woman speaks and the man listens. And in the third year, They both speak, and the neighbors listen. I read that a son came to his father and said, Dad, how much does it cost to get married? The father said, I don't know, son. I'm still paying for it. And one last one, the son said, Dad, is it true? I heard that in ancient China, a man didn't know his wife until he married her. The father said, Son... That happens everywhere all the time. Just a few marriage quotes. Today is Father's Day. 
Aren't you glad you came and found that out this morning? Otherwise, you'd have had a, you wouldn't have known. Today is Father's Day. It is the one day in the year set aside to honor our dad, to treat him like a king and shower him with love and gifts and appreciation. Enjoy it, dads. Remember this. It only comes once a year, so make it last. But this morning, I am not going to focus on how we are treated as fathers. I am not going to today admonish wives and children to show your husband or your dad the honor, the love, and the respect that he is due every day. No, I I trust that each of you have enough knowledge and understanding of God's Word to know that this is already expected of you. Rather, I am going to turn my attention today to what we, the men in this room, should be and should do every day. It is very important for each of us to understand that how we behave as men and what we do is not relevant to how we are treated by other people. In this, I want you to consider our example, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 53, we read, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now this is describing the Savior. Verse 3, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Just look at the way he the Lord of glory, the Savior of man. Just look at how he was treated. He was despised. He was rejected of men. He lived in sorrow. He was familiar with grief. He was wounded and bruised. And truly, that is an understatement. The truth is that he was brutally murdered. Yet, through all of this, he never stopped loving and caring for us, his children. So men, today I'm sorry. But it is not okay for us to be a mean ogre just because we are not treated the way that we think we should be treated. I can't tell you how many times I have had to stop and recite the golden rule to myself. You know, the one that says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and not do unto others as they have done unto you. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 22, Solomon writes, 
Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Now, this is the complete opposite of our society today. Today, people are grabbing for all they can get, and who cares about anyone else? Lie, cheat, steal. It's all good if it gets you ahead. And this is the mantra of today. Gone from our society are men of honesty, men of ethics, men of integrity. These have been replaced with men of situational ethics, men of justifiable prevarication, and that's a fancy way of saying liars, and men of circumstantial behaviors. Now, in our text this morning, Paul is admonishing young Titus to instruct the members in his church on how they should behave as children of God. And this is my goal this morning, to encourage our men to be the man that they should be. Now, with this in mind, allow me to share a few thoughts with you this morning. First, I'm going to address the husbands this morning. So ladies, you get to sit back for a while and watch me scathe your husbands. I address the husbands first this morning, and if you're not a husband, take notes for future reference, amen? But I address the husbands this morning, and let me say husbands, number one, be intimate. In Proverbs chapter 5, Solomon writes in the 18th and 19th verses, Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. Now in this passage in Proverbs, Solomon is admonishing his son to be intimate with his wife so that he might avoid the snares of adultery. Now, I want to state this delicately this morning for the sake of the children present here. However, Solomon admonishes us, uh, husbands, that is, single men, you don't get to partake in this admonishment. Solomon admonishes the husbands to be ravished always, at all times, with the love of his wife. In other words, your intimacy with your wife should fill your life and hers with satisfaction, with ecstasy. Your marriage should be so fulfilling that you, that you have no need nor desire to look outside your own home for anything. And just as a matter of encouragement, ladies, you play a major role in this. Again, I I want to be delicate here, but ladies, it's okay to flirt with your husbands. It's okay to play the role of the temptress in your home, to be enticing with your husband. Now, this is kind of a crude analogy, but let me use it anyway. If you don't feed your dog enough, eventually he will wander over to the neighbor's house 
looking for something to eat. And I said, it's a crude analogy, so take it as it is. Husbands and wives must be intimate. Intimacy is important to your marriage. God created man and he created woman. He didn't create man and man. He created man and woman for a purpose. Well, one of those purposes was for companionship. In Genesis 2.18, we read, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So God created woman for companionship. So husbands and wives, spend time together. Do things together. Go places together. Be intimate together. And also God created a man and woman for procreation. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. It is God that gave us the natural desire to be intimate. So, once again, married couples get busy and obey God. But now, men, we need to remember something. And you ladies need to understand something. We are not emotional creatures. We are mechanical. So we're going to have to work at this thing of intimacy. I mean, you know, a fancy dinner with soft music and candles and flowers don't excite me. But last night, my family, my, kid, my children, gave me a new barbecue pit for Father's Day. And I got to go outside and assemble it. And that excited me. I was excited. I forsook dinner. I was cooking dinner. I forsook it, ran outside, and started building this thing. See, men are mechanical. I'm sorry. That's just the way God made us. And when it comes to intimacy, men approach it mechanically, like assembling a bike. Okay, sit, eagle, candle, card, flower, dinner. Okay, that's it. I'm done. It's all mechanical. It's planned out. It's not spontaneous. With men, we're mechanical creatures. Now, women, for women, intimacy is an emotional experience. There is soft music, pleasant fragrances, sumptuous meals, decadent atmospheres. It's also emotionally generated and satisfying. But God in Ephesians chapter 5.25 said, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also hath loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, I find it interesting that God had to remind men to love their wives, but he doesn't remind women to love their husbands because women are emotional and they love. Now, he did have to remind women to submit to their husbands. Sorry, ladies, but that's God's word, not mine. But he didn't have to remind women to love their husbands. And this is because men are mechanical, not emotional. Men are like this. Well, I told her I loved her on Valentine's Day. What more does she want from me? You see, mechanical. Let's get this thing settled and let's move on to the next task. That's how men are. Now, men, I understand and know this is not always easy for some of us guys. Now, some of you guys are more in touch with your feminine side than I am. 
So for you, that might be a little bit easier. But I was raised to go out and shoot animals. Sorry about that, but that's the way I was raised. I was raised in the deep south. But men, we do need to work on this. Husbands, you need to be intimate with your wives. Because that's the role of the husband, is to love his wife. That's why God gave you a wife, to love her. He didn't give you a wife so she could be a servant. He didn't give you a wife so she could wash your clothes and cook your meals and clean your home. That's not why God gave you a wife. He gave you someone that was meat for you, a helper that was equal to you and sufficient for you. So love your wife. Treat her well. Learn to be emotional with her. Be intimate with your wife. But then secondly, tonight, I want to, or this morning, I'm sorry, I want to talk to you fathers. And fathers, you need to instruct. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, we read, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, in my years of experience in the ministry, I have learned something very crucial about religion in America, and this, it is this that women are the spiritual leaders in most homes. When I was a bus captain, I would go to a door, and I'd knock on the door, and Dad would come to the door, and I'd say hi, and I'd introduce myself, and I'd say, you know, we're, we run our Sunday school bus by here, and tomorrow morning I would love to pick up your children, take them to church with us. And he'd, you know what he'd say most of the time, what they would say? Well, we better ask Mom about that. Why? Because in most homes, women are the spiritual leaders. Now, I praise the Lord for godly mothers today. I really do. I'm not trying to belittle you ladies. Any of you women here who are the catalysts at getting your family to church have my deepest appreciation and deepest respect. However, that is not God's plan. Shame on any man that sits by and lets his wife lead his family spiritually and does not take the spiritual leadership himself. If the Bible is clear on anything... It is clear on the truth that the man is to lead his home. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. Now again, ladies, don't get me wrong. I praise the Lord for those of you who have to take the lead in the home spiritually. Those who come from broken marriages, or those who are widows, or or something such as that. But it is the man's job to lead. It is the man's job to teach his children about the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8, Solomon writes, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Yes, Dad, you are to instruct your children. You are to instruct them in the knowledge of divine things. You are to instruct them by setting a good example for them to follow. You are to instruct them by watching over their relationships and acquaintances. You're to instruct them by praying with them and by praying for them. You're to instruct them by bringing them, not sending them, to church. Now, I don't know about you today, but I desire that God could say of me the same he said of Abraham. For in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19, the Lord stated, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. You fathers today, take the spiritual lead in your home. You will face God, by the way, for what you have taught your children. 
You will not face God for how they have turned out, but you will face God for what you have taught them. Proverbs 22, 6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Even when young adults wander from the faith that they were taught as children, they always tend to remember, and ultimately, just as the prodigal son, they will return. They are drawn back. Husbands, be intimate with your wives. Fathers, instruct your children. And then lastly this morning, I want to speak to all of the men, and and, and including the women in the church, by saying, brothers, inspire. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I really like Paul's instructions here. He is admonishing us to inspire those that are despondent. To inspire them to turn again unto Christ and to return to the flock. Now, in this passage, Paul, we find a very revealing truth because Paul said, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. You know, this morning, you reveal to everyone around you just how spiritual you are or just how spiritual you are not by how you treat a fallen brother or a fallen sister in Christ. This humble and helpful attitude is very fastly becoming the exception rather than the rule in today's society. We have developed a self-centered philosophy that says, well, that's their problem. Let them worry about it. But this is not the will of the Lord. For he stated in verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I'm drawn to Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. In verse 33, we read, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Now, there are two points I I wish to stress here. First, we are to come to the aid of a fallen brother. We're to come to the aid of a fallen brother. We read there that the Samaritan went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Listen, don't wait for a brother in need to come to you. If you are aware of their need, go to them and help them. (laughs) If you're in a boat in the ocean and there's a man drowning, and you say, you need help, and he says, oh, it's okay, I'll be fine. What are you going to do, just leave him there to drown? Well, he said he's okay. Well, I don't want to offend him by sticking my nose into his business. I mean, you know, it's his business. He knows, I guess he knows how to swim. I'm just not, you know, we're 52 miles from land, but that's okay. What if you're driving down the highway and there's a car heading toward a a bridge that's been been demolished? You're just going to drive by and not warn them and say, well, I'm sure they know where they're going. They, They don't need my help. Of course not. No, one, no rational person would do this. 
Listen, don't wait for someone in need to come to you for help. Pride or embarrassment or fear might keep them from asking for the help they need. Listen, I I don't know about you, but I would rather lose a friend because I tried to encourage them or help them than I would allow them to ruin their life while I just stood by and watched. Now, I, I, I try to live, for the most part, by the rule... Unasked for advice is unwanted advice, and that's true. But there are times when I need to tell my brother what I need to tell him, regardless of how he's going to receive it. And the compassion in our hearts compels us to go to our brother. We must go to them, and we must come to the aid of a fallen brother. But then secondly, let me state this. We are to carry the load of a fallen brother. The Samaritan, we read, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. Now, listen, genius. The reason that your brother fell in the first place usually is because the load he's carrying is too heavy. So what are we going to do? Joe, help me out, would you? Come on up here. There you go. Shouldn't have chose you. You look too good. All right. So let's say, Joe, we need, we need a load for Joe. Here you go, Joe. Here's a load. Can you carry that? You got it? You got that load? You sure? You know what this represents? This represents all the cares and worries and problems. You know, poor Joe's here. He's, he doesn't know if he's going to have a job very long. His wife is in India. He's got all these problems. And all of a sudden, he drops to his knees. Drop to your knees, Joe. Why? Because this load, drop all the way, Joe. There you go. Yeah. This load is getting heavy. And, and he's going on, and, and then he, he has other problems. They keep piling on. He's got, he's got bills to pay, and he's got, his car breaks down, and uh, his neighbors have him evicted. And he finally just gives in and goes all the way down. Go all the way down. I'll help you go down so you don't kill yourself. Go down. Go ahead and lay down. Yeah, lay down. There you go. All right, and he's got this load on him. Okay? And I come by, and I, I'm standing over here, and I say, whoa, look at Joe's. Hmm. Well, if he needs any help, he'll tell me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't want to stick my nose in his business. I mean, it is his business. Yeah. But, you know, he, he, he looks like, hey, Joe's, how you doing down there? Not good. Well, be, God bless you, brother. I'm praying for you. All right. Call me if you need me. Now, we'd go over there and say, hey, Joe, you all right? Here, let me help you. Come here. Get up, man. Get up. Hey, let's, let's go along here and talk a little bit. And you see, not only am I to go to him, and not only am I to pick him up and encourage him, but I'm to bear his burden for him. I'm to carry his load. Why? He can't carry it. He's too weak. And you know, maybe the reason that the Lord brought me by at that moment was to help him. I heard a story of a, little, of, of a man who's out in the ocean, and he's there in the middle of the ocean, and a boat comes by and says, you need any help? And he says, no, God will save me. So the boat leaves. A second boat comes by, and they say, hey, you need any help? And he says, no, God will save me. And he leaves. And then the man dies. He drowns. 
He gets to heaven. He says, Lord, why didn't you save me? God says, I sent you two boats, you dummy. Thank you, Joseph. Now, we're to be a help to each other. We're to go to the person in need and help them. But we're also to carry the load that has brought them to their knees. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, the Lord said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some may say, well, why don't he just call on Jesus? Why don't he just ask Jesus to help him? Well, how do you know he already hasn't done that? And how do you know that you're the one that God sent by to help him? And let me just say that when you help him, you're also helping yourself. Think about the widow at Zarephath. Elijah, a great drought is upon the land, a great famine. And and God sends Elijah to this woman's home. And this little woman is out gathering sticks. And Elijah says, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm gathering sticks. And I'm going to go home. And I'm going to take the last of my oil and the last of my flour. And I'm going to make a little cake. My son and I are going to eat that cake. And then we're going to die. And Elijah says, great. Go make me one first. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I only have enough oil and enough flour to make one more little cake. Yeah. He said, Elijah said, yeah, I understand. Go make mine first. And then after that, make some for you. Well, we know the story, don't we? She obeyed the Lord. She helped Elijah. And her and Elijah and her son ate from that same cruise of oil and, and, and barrel of flour for the remainder of the famine. In helping Elijah, she saved herself. And folks, when you and I come to the need of our brothers and sisters, we're not just helping them. We're helping ourselves as well. Now, what about you today? Are you an inspiration to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Or are you just a spectator in their burdens. The man I should be. Husbands, be intimate with your wife. Love her. Be ravished with her love. Always. Fathers, instruct your children. Set a good example. Guard their actions. Pray with them. Bring them to church. Brothers, inspire those around you. Help the fallen. Encourage the weary. Provide for those in need. I leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. In the darkest moments of his life, while waiting for his execution, he penned these words. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Men, let me ask you a question. Are you a Luke today? Are you a Mark today? I pray that by the grace of God that we as men in this room will be the men we should be. Let us pray. Our Father, we do praise your name. And Lord, we are sinners saved by grace. And without you, Father, there is nothing that we can do but sin. So now as we gather here today to honor our fathers and to remember them for their love and their their labors and their sacrifices, 
I ask that you would help each of us today to be the men that we should be. That we would be husbands who love our wives. That we would be fathers who love and instruct our children. That we would be brothers who love one another and help one another. And in doing all these things, Lord, we will glorify your name for you have commanded them. And you have told us that in this type of love that we will express that all men will know that we are your disciples and that you will be glorified in all of this. So as these men leave this room today, I pray that they would take the words that were spoken and apply them to their lives. I pray that the wives would learn to love their husbands. I pray children would learn to love their fathers. I pray brothers would learn to love one another. And all these things, Lord, we will glorify, we will give glory unto you, for you are worthy of all honor, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Please.